What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking Your Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, this talk is going to be pretty fun because I need to learn a lot about what she's about to teach us. I am here with Jenny Wright. She is an online marketing strategist, list builder, and lead generation expert. She's also the creator of List Building 2.0, her own successful system of building your list through attraction and permission marketing. Leveraging over 15 years of marketing, communications, and branding experience for her clients, Jenny firmly believes that if you live your life with passion and transparency, you will create lifelong success. Having managed over 280 online list builds for her clients, Jenny is a passionate believer in organic, authentic list building techniques for her clients and mentors them through the process from start to finish. And she's going to tell us how to stop sucking at list building. So Jenny, thank you so much for being here. I'm so stupidly thankful that you are here. Aw, thanks. And I mean, we've talked before, and so we've got a bit of a rapport, which is great. But yeah, we're going to have a good time. I love it. So let's start the beginning, a very good place to start. How the hell did you decide that list building is your jam and that's where you're going to go into all the way? Completely by accident. Completely by accident. I left corporate. I was, I was so bummed out and I felt really, really low and I didn't know what to do. And the only thing I could figure out was there was fiber right? Fiverr back in the day, which oh, still yeah. exists. <clears throat> so I, I ended up putting out gigs on Fiverr to help people with data research and all this kind of stuff. And this, this woman reached out to me and she's like, yeah, I need help finding speakers for a summit. I'm like, research, I got this, right? So off I went, I started researching for these speakers for this event. I'd never, I didn't even know what a summit was. And so I kind of watched her put it together from the side of the research side. And it was fascinating. Um, so I decided I would start trying to do summits and she invited me into this coaching group that this woman was hosting and by the end of the year I had 38 clients from these summits. Oh my god. Wait, was this an online summit or in person? Online, online. Oh so god. there was this there was this really big like she's she's got a lot of notoriety, this really big coach, and the woman that I was working with was one of her employees. And her employee was helping one of the people in the group. What I didn't know is that a lot of the people in this group, this coaching group, were not technically savvy. And I was. I just came out of corporate, but in that corporate job, I had done marketing communications. I had like rebranded. I'd done, you know, built websites and stuff like that. So I had some, I had a little bit of know-how. And the stuff they were doing felt really easy for me. So I was like, I could do this. And I was, I was charging stupid small prices like honestly really 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 inexpensive and what was fascinating was is that everybody was like I need your help I need your help I need your help and it was just referral after referral after referral so my whole business started literally from a five dollar gig on Fiverr and just kind of went from there and then there was some hardship that came up real quick real quick which was the way that certain people are building their list was not authentic they were going for the, you know, um, catch everything in the net sort of aspect, which was, I want everybody. I want everybody I can possibly get. And then I know that half my list is going to be dumped as soon as I start emailing them, but I don't care. And I'm going to make an offer to them, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to basically roll my eyes in the back of my head and just go chomp, chomp, chomp. And I'm just going to see what I can get. And it felt very inauthentic and really upsetting to me. 
But uh, my partner and I had this, like, you know, when, what they say, like a come to Jesus moment. It was right between it was right between American Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think of like 2014, and we had this moment where, like, oh my God, we can't do this anymore. We can't. Ju we just can't do it this way. And so we developed a different way. We talked it out for hours and hours, and we developed this like list building 2.0, which was supposed to be high authenticity, high connection, only going for the clients that you actually want really super niched in, all these different kinds of things in terms of making sure that it was like you were going for the right people, which was saving you really, if you think about it, time, money, effort, anguish, unsubscribes, <laughs> like all these, all the things that, you know, we really should be focusing on. And um, it caught on, which was great. Clearly, I mean, you are a list building champ. The, just seeing, and I know this is audio for everyone, but it's, seeing Jenny's face light up when she talks about just the authentic side of it. And when you were talking about these people who they, they just want to do buckshot and just throw and see who sticks and who doesn't like I had to, when I was in corporate, I had to fight so many battles about we're not buying a list. We're not doing that. It's not helpful. It's, it's outdated. The email addresses most likely won't work. These people are going to be so pissed off. I would be pissed off. I'd be like, how did you get my email? What is going on? And I, it was, I don't know why that is still a trope. Do you still have to fight that with clients? 100%. Really? 100%. Not all the time. Okay. I'd say maybe about 25% of the time this is a situation that comes up where people have these preconceived notions when they're coming into being in, you know, building an online business mm -hmm. where they think that's the way they need to go. And there's a bit of deprogramming that has to happen sometimes for those particular people. They catch on real quick, most of them, and that's great. But there's still this mentality, and it's, it's bizarre because you have to wonder where it's coming from. Yeah. And you have to wonder where that trope sort of continues to exist in the year that we're in, in the state of the business that we're in, and, you know, and all those, everything like that. You've got to wonder where that mentality sort of comes from. But... Mostly, it's honestly from people who just don't know. And mm. once they're shown and once it's explained, they're good with it. But there mm. is a small subset that are like, ah, heck no, I just want, you know, I want the easy road. I want to be able to do this, like, that particular way. Because the way that I'm talking, list building with authenticity and transparency and those different kinds of ways actually does take a little bit more work and a little bit more planning. And if you can do the little bit more work and a little bit more planning, you have a better result at the end. So it's worth it, but you have to do it, right? Right. <laughs> That's the hardest part of all, just getting that part started. Before we go into the list building part and your tips, I wanted to touch on something you had mentioned just out of my own morbid curiosity. You said that you were not charging enough when you started. Do you know. Do you think that that was just you didn't know you weren't charging enough or were you afraid you were charging of like your skills? What what made you kind of realize like I am not uh, fulfilling my value? I didn't realize my value at the time when I was coming into this. I really didn't have a way of figuring out what the value was of the service I was providing. And I was coming from this mentality of dollars for hours, which was true. How many hours would it take me to complete this event, like building up a summit, you know, in the background, contacting speakers if I was doing that, doing all the technical pieces, the coaching of the client, right? How many hours would that take me? And what was my hourly price? And if you remember, I was starting off on Fiverr. So my hourly rate at the beginning was $11 an hour. Like crazy. What a deal those people got. Holy shit. Yeah, the first, the first summits I did where I charged $300. Wow. $300. And I didn't know how long it was going to take me. I didn't know the extent of the work. Mm -hmm. So if I was factoring in the amount of time it was taking me and how much I was charging per hour, I was actually really not making enough. So as the demand grew, yeah, I did raise my price. And as I actually got good at things, there was another thing, though. I did worry that I was so beginner Mm. And I was learning this, like the first two summits I did, I was very open and honest and said, I know about as much as you. I just happen to be better at tech than you. So I can do this <laughs> for you. But with like all the other stuff, I was, I was learning as they were learning. So like I said, they were in this coaching course 
and my clients were giving me access to the coaching materials. So I was cramming, learning as much as I possibly could about what this particular person was saying in this particular coaching course, and then I was trying to apply it. And I was doing tons of research on the side. You know, summits were still not a huge thing, technically. There wasn't a lot written about them. People weren't talking about them as much. And back then, they were a catch-all, right? Mm. And kind of everything, it was like the Wild West. Everything went, everything went. You know, you put out a crappy summit with a crappy banner and a crappy page and crappy on, you know, video, and you get 5,000 people. And yeah, you do that now, you'll get nothing. <laughs> Right. So I definitely wasn't charging my worth. My prices have gone up, obviously, over the years. And obviously, I've had, I don't know, I've added more skill and stuff. But yeah, I also, I was so heartbroken from my experience and how everything happened when I did leave corporate that I, my self-worth was in the tank. And that's why I was willing to do Fiverr gigs. That's why I was, uh, at one point, have you ever listened to a press conference? Oh my and God! Yeah. The person, and the person says, um, "Hi, we have so and so from CBC News. Your line is open. You may now speak." Well, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I did that <laughs> because you know, and it, paid, and it honestly it paid twelve dollars an hour. Nice. Yeah, I was doing that because when I left corporate, I had no idea what to do with my life, and mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, and it just took time, you know. A lot of people now, they leave their job, whatever their day job is, they come right into this online business and they're charging a hundred bucks an hour. Have at it, sister. Right. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I, you're resonating with exactly my own story. So I, I can completely understand it. Just the fear of like, well, I could, I could do this in corporate, but I don't think I can do this for somebody else. I think that I need like, I, this isn't me. And then just realizing, oh, Actually, this is me, and I'm actually really good at this. Mm. So let's let's start with a couple of scenarios for list building. So let's say, first, I want to be an Instagram influencer. What the hell do I need a list for, and how do I start doing something like that? <laughs> That's an incredible question. And the, the fun part about that is, is prior to, I'd say, 2020, 2019, mm -hmm. a lot of the influencers were just being influencers. But what we saw that is we saw this huge transition in late 2019 and all through 2020 for a lot of reasons <laughs> that they were starting to pull their people off and get them into list building. Here's why. I, if you have a YouTube account and YouTube decides to freeze you for whatever reason, some terms of service thing that you don't even know what happened, then you're losing contact with your base. And if that's how you're making your money, good luck to you, right? Same with Instagram, same with Facebook. There are some big names in even my industry who were frozen out of their Facebook business accounts, like their ad accounts, in 2019 and 2020. If they didn't have a list, there was no other way for them to make money because they couldn't advertise, right? So for whatever reason, and some of those people, like there's people like a guy named Dan Henry as an example, his entire Facebook account was completely shut down. He had no way of promoting, no way of doing ads. And I know it took him like more than six months before he could do anything, right? Before he got his account back or changed his account or whatever happened. Stories like that are literally happening a lot, a lot more than people even know. And so you need to have a list of people you can connect with. You need to have a list of people that add at, a, at a, you know, at any time, you can send an email to connect and also make a timely offer. The other thing is, we all read our emails from the people that we actually follow. Like I will open and read Lululemon emails. I love Lululemon. I will read them. Right? There's other entrepreneurs that I will open their emails and I will read every single word because I want to. There's other ones that go into my little spam box and I'll deal with them later. When you're emailing your people, the chances of people actually seeing your email are a lot better than if you just post a story on Instagram. If you've got 200,000 followers on Instagram, a million followers, whatever, on Instagram, not everybody's going to see that post, right? You're going to have to post a heck of a lot. It's a lot of energy. I can send out one email to a list of, I don't know, 3,000 people, make a timely offer, and create income in my business and for my life and my, you know, without having to do six or seven, 10, 15 different posts, right? I can do that. 
an email list allows me to do that and allows me to do it on my time, you know, when it fits for me. And yes, I build my social media and yes, I build all those other channels, mm -hmm. but I'm always constantly focused on the health and well-being of my email list. How do you recommend people start getting subscribers into their funnel for newsletters? What is, and I know that that is a really broad question, so feel free to attack it however you want, but think of like, we have service-based people, we have product-based people, we have people in the middle of that, and just, is there a way that authenticity runs through all of those different things? Does that make sense? Do you know what yeah. I'm trying to say? I don't. I, I actually, Megan, I totally got you. I know what you're trying to say. So oh, like, we're best friends, <laughs> right? I got you. What you're trying to, I think the point you're trying to make is how are we getting people into our list authentically? How does somebody either potentially start that or continue it? There's a couple ways, right? So your ideal client is on a journey. Now your journey, you as the entrepreneur, are on a completely different journey. Your journey looks a lot different than your ideal client. Your ideal client is trying to find love, lose weight, do more yoga, meditate, get healing, heal past trauma. Whatever their journey is and wherever they are on that particular road, you need to be at the right spot at the right time. List building, technically, in some ways, and this is going to sound a little bit mean, has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your ideal client, where they are. So you need to serve them at that particular moment. So what you're going to be absolutely doing is you're going to be looking at creating uh, lead magnets or downloads, PDF downloads, guides, tips, tricks, those different kinds of things that serve them at the moment that they're in, create some sort of a change or an opportunity for growth, right, within the thing that you're giving them. It helps them in some intrinsic and very detailed way. And then later on, you're going to be able to communicate with that person, those people on your email list, and make a timely offer, right? So that could be, depending on your audience, because that was a broad question, so depending on your audience, that could be a PDF download, okay? Depending on your audience, that could be a three-part video series. Depending on your audience, that could be a one-hour on-repeat webinar. Depending on your audience, that could be a monthly challenge that you do on Instagram and offer prizes from, right? It also could be something like a quiz. I love quizzes. Who doesn't love a quiz, right? Who didn't, who didn't open up a Seventeen magazine? I'm dating myself big time here. Who didn't open a magazine, right? Or even do, do it now and take a quiz to figure out what, you know, where you should travel or what job you should do or, you know, who you should fall in love with. Like we all did those quizzes. People still love that quiz. Quizzes are amazing because they actually um, sub segment your audience for you, which is great. And it allows you to say, wow, you love the color purple. If you love the color purple, then you're really going to love this. Or you love the color green. Because you love the color green, then you're definitely a, this person and you need this, right? So I hope that answers the question. <laughs> um, Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And I think that you bring up a good point that we can segue into with in terms of segmenting people and onboarding. Someone gets on your list, they get their lead magnet, their challenge, their whatever. What do you recommend people do next to keep that conversation going? Absolutely. And that's a huge thing because a lot of people say, well, I, I had my, my PDF download and they registered for it, Megan, and then nothing happened. Well, duh, they registered for it and then what did you do with them? How did you support them afterwards? So there's this thing that we do where it's a bunch of emails, okay? Seven, eight, or even nine emails. Don't worry, they don't have to be super long. Seven or eight, nine emails. And that nurture sequence, as we call it, helps indoctrinate your new lead into the world of Megan, right? I love plants. I, you know, I love candles, cool picture frames. I'm looking at the stuff in your room right now, uh, right? You love the color green, you know, you're into this and that. Like, you have to be really authentic in those emails because what you don't want to happen is you don't want to present yourself as this bright, shiny thing and perfect and all polished. And then in your other communications and your Facebook Lives and whatever else you're doing to connect with those people, that you're a different person. They have to be the same. Mm -hmm. 
So the nurture sequence email is like, hey, like mine is, hey, I want to get to know you better. And I can't wait to understand more about your business. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. Let's see if we jive. And I'll give them a bit of information. Like, I love baking muffins at a moment's notice. I love plants. Can you tell? Right? And I'll tell them a little bit about myself so that if they ever see anything from me, they're like, oh, yeah, that's Jenny. She likes to bake muffins. And, oh, that's Jenny. She loves, she loves to have plants. Right? So there's, there's this congruency. And we get them into the Jenny train. We indoctrinate them into the Jenny train. And then I'm bringing them along. Right? So they, they downloaded the PDF to solve a problem. My communications with them there on forward are putting them in front of other things that would solve or help that problem. Right? That makes sense in their journey. So that when the time is right, and that time is different for everybody, and I know I've said that a couple times, but when the time is right, you can make a good offer. That offer might be right away. That offer might be in two weeks. It really depends. And you're going to have to sort of figure that out. It's all, it's, a lot of it is trial and error, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. With, you, you had mentioned like, okay, this person knows I like plants. And they, let's say that they got here because they like the color green and green and plants. And now they're into this nurture sequence. How do you recommend, do you keep people separate all the time? Do you keep purple separate from green all of the time? Or do you eventually funnel them all into one list? Mm, good one. I, I'm very specific. Like we were talking about that quiz where if you like the color purple, if you like the color green. Now you can change that and say uh, if you want to follow the keto diet or if you want to follow a plant-based diet from this quiz, right? Or if you, you know, if you want to grow your podcast or if you want to grow your clubhouse, as an example. So I keep them separate because the people who are interested in clubhouse should only get information about clubhouse and the people who want to learn about growing their podcast should only get information about running their podcast. However, I will send some blanket emails for some things that make sense. They're very, they're very rare. Right? So I don't like to carpet bomb my list because they've already self-identified. And the people who they self-identified are not going to want to hear about Clubhouse if they only want to hear about podcasting, as an example. Right? So the carpet bomb email should only be used very sparingly, and it should only be used when you know that there's something that's intrinsically shared by both groups or however many groups. And that could be um, the fact that you're hosting a new online summit, as an example and you'd like to invite them to participate and be a participant in it because there's something there for everybody in your niche, right? Versus the fact that maybe I've got a brand new podcasting course coming out, and so I will only advertise that to the people who've identified in that way. So I do keep it very separate. I use, uh, I use a software called Active Campaign, and most softwares can do this, email marketing softwares, by the way. They, you can create tagging and segmentation, and if you haven't started doing tagging and segmentation yet, start now. Better time was yesterday. Best time is today. Go for it. And you just start by segmenting, right? If you've never segmented your list, great time to run a quiz Oof. or a survey. Yes, survey your people, find out what they want, get them to self-identify and put themselves into groups and then serve the groups at exactly the right time with exactly what they want. And you're going to get a lot more success and a lot less unsubscribes. And your open rate is going to go so much higher. It feels so good when you send an email and it's like, I had a 30% open, you know, 38% open rate today. Like that happened to my partner last week because he's so niched in and he sends only the rights. Like he's only talking to the people who want the information that he's sharing. That his open rate is massive and he gets people clicking links and doing all the things. Right? So that feels really good. It feels really crappy when you send an email and you have a 10% open rate. You're like, oh, what did I do? They don't love me anymore. You know, and six people or 10 people or 15 people unsubscribe. That feels crappy too. If you do the segmentation, less unsubscribes, more open rates, more click through, better chance of actually getting people to do the thing you want, whatever it is. Right? That's so fascinating. And the question that comes into my head with that is, how do you keep that all going regularly? So say you have three different segments. Uh, how do you recommend for your clients they handle, let's say, weekly emails or things like that? Do you have them front load everything and have it like an automated system? Or do you do everything every Friday we get a new update about blog posts and offers and things like that? 
That depends on the client, I will say, and it really does depend on their audience and how their audience kind of responds and reacts. What I will, what I will say is that some of my clients who have the segmentation, they'll send what we call a weekly roundup, which is sort of a, it is a little. Hey guys, Megan here. How are your conversions doing? Are they maybe a little womp womp? I am here to help you with this exclusive free training about two phrases you can use that just boost your conversions like kapow. But there's a catch. It's totally free, but you have to get it in my Facebook group. That's the only place it's available. So to join, join my Facebook group. No, <laughs> joining my Facebook group is totally free. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Once you join, you'll be able to get access to the training that shows you two stupidly simple phrases you can use to add oomph to your conversions in your marketing. It's going to blow your mind. And I am so excited for you to check it out. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash Megan Brame. I'll see you in there. A little bit of a carpet bomb email. It is an email which goes to everybody. And it's like, here's what's been happening this week. And here's what might interest you. Then it's the the subject-specific emails that come out on a timely basis that are only going to the particular segments, right? So there's no problem. There really is no problem with sending a little bit of a weekly roundup. I do them, right? And when you're first beginning, you don't have to have 30 segments. You can, you really, and nobody should have 30 segments, can I be honest? You should, that, that means you're not niched in, all right? Right. <laughs> right? So, like, don't do that. Um, but if you can have you know, four, four segments. Like I have, I have list building, lead generation, and I think the last one I have is like podcasting, right? Because of my podcast with my co-host, Allison Lex. Um, and then Allison and I have a separate list just for the stuff that we do for what we do, the system to thrive stuff. So technically I have four segments and that's it. And I don't even want more than that. I mean, I've been doing this since 2012, I don't want any more segments than that. <laughs> like, no thanks. So what I'm hearing you say then is it's best to kind of set up a drip campaign for these segments. Is, would you say that's right? Yeah, I like drip campaigns. I think yeah. that's a, I think it's a good thing. I think getting people into your, I think getting people into your list the proper way is the first step. Mm -hmm. But in terms of email marketing, if you, want, if you want to make sure that people are getting the right information, drip campaigns work if you like drip. Uh, so do automations and so do weekly campaigns that you just write and send. So mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of a procrastinator yeah. and I'm also a, like a, I'm one of those people who acts on inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, and stupidly, my inspiration comes at 1045 at night. I don't know why, and sometimes it sucks, but that's usually when, I, or it's like six o'clock in the morning. One of the two, it's never in the middle of the day, have at it. So whatever that is, I play into it, I write my email, I get this little inspo, and then that's my email for my weekly roundup. It is very challenging for me to pre-plan those. The only time I have pre-planning, and I do this a lot, however, is when I'm launching. Mm. Right. So at the time of this recording, I'm launching a challenge or I'm in the process of launching a challenge. And I have six emails that are currently written that I've, I've loaded in and will only be going to the people who've self-identified as people who are interested in list building because the whole challenge is about list building. So it's going to only them. It's not going to the people who listen to my podcast because mm -hmm. that's more of a general group. And it's not going to the people who, you know, are interested in other things. It's only going to the list building people because those are the people that I want to target. Mm. So, yeah, when it's a launch, that's a different, it's a different story altogether. I have prepared content and I highly recommend it. <laughs> For everything else, it tends to kind of happen when I feel like the inspiration's hitting me. Fair enough. And, I mean, that's when the power happens and that's when that happens. It's why fight it. I... <laughs> I have like 16 million more questions about list building and I know everyone else is, but let's get to summits because I am super interested in what you have to say about summits. We had a conversation with Ben Dell from Missing Letter and Hey Summit, who runs 
a summit software. And so I have been so intrigued by the concept of creating a summit myself, but also I know a lot of people listening have too, because I get emails about it a lot. So let's talk summits. Let's talk, what is it? How do you do this? What kind of expectations should you have for one? Okay. All right. Broad questions. I love these. All right. I'm going to like pull all this stuff. So if you don't know what a summit is, let's start there. A summit is an online event. Okay. Where there's any number of experts, it could be five experts, 15 experts, or 50 experts, where you as the host, I'm going to say Megan's the host on this, Megan's the host, and she's going to pre-record interviews or presentations with all of her experts. She's going to be doing this for about uh, 60, maybe 90 days prior to it actually launching, and then she's going to launch it at a specific time. Let's just say it's going to launch in May, right? It's going to launch May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Then the interviews are dripped out over those couple of days, and Megan is working on creating some, you know, interest around that. Prior to the launch, there's a period called the promotional period, which is when Megan and her experts are promoting the event. The goal of the summit is to build your list, and the way that we do it is we're relying on our experts who we've now interviewed and are in the process with us, promote it on our behalf. They go to their email list, they go to their social media, and they say, hey, I am an expert with Megan, and she's doing this really great online event, and you just got to check it out. It's about ABC and XYZ. They tell their list, they tell their social. People go to a landing page, which Megan as the host has created, and they opt in. Once they've opted in, now they're in Megan's email marketing software, and they're part of her email list. Okay, so online event, pre-recorded interviews, experts help us promote to get more exposure, the host receives the list, and the host runs everything. And you can usually see yourself working on one of these for about three to four months. That's, tech, that's typically the amount of time that I work with among clients, or with clients, sorry. And the results are varied, depending on your niche. Like I have a, I have a summit right now, I'm running with a whole team in Romania. Super cool. It's this, um, my client, it's her first foray into English language business. She has an incredibly successful business in Italian, an incredibly successful business in Romanian, and now she's hitting the English market. So her event actually at the time of this recording is launching in a week, well not even a week, it's like four days. And she's got thousands of people registered. She's made over $10,000 just alone on VIP packages, which you can do in a summit, you can sell a VIP package, make some cash, and she's doing amazing. Other summits have different results. I've done summits for people who are um, into healing, okay, different kinds of healing modalities. That those kinds of summits tend to have a little bit of a smaller response. So it's you know a thousand people maybe registered for it, and they made you know two or three thousand dollars. Still awesome, because get this, a summit creates what I call a list injection, right? So if you, if, you, if you promoted a PDF without Facebook ads and you did it for a whole year, you still wouldn't get a thousand people to join your list probably, because it just takes a lot of time and effort to get that many people to sign up. But in 90 days, if you can get 800, 1,000, 1,500, or 2,000 people to join your list, highly niched in, let's be specific, and then you get to market to them for the rest of the year, hello, that's a great opportunity, right? And so summits do that for you. And if I can take the fear out of it, the only fear that people have in a summit is for the things that feel a little bit outside of their comfortability. That's being on video, recording, the tech, what do I do, and the strategy. The only thing I want people to worry about is how good they're gonna look on camera if that's their thing, and recording. And I want them to farm out the rest. There's people like me who run summits for a living. I do the strategy, I do the tech. You just have to find the experts and interview them. I got the rest, right? And I bring my people through the whole process so it's not as scary. If you're gonna do it on your own, then plan, right? Just plan it out. I wanna launch it in May, and work your way backwards. That's the thing, thing that people don't do is they don't work their way backwards. So it's your summit's live for a week. 
you have a three or four week promo period. Then you need the time to book, onboard, and interview your experts. So you're looking at probably two and a half months there, because if not, it's going to take over your life and we don't need that. So all told, it could be 90 days or 120 days. That's, on the, on the top level, that's what we're looking at. First, I, I have a side question, which is you had mentioned advertise, running Facebook ads for a free PDF. Do you recommend people advertise to get people on their list for free? I do, but only if they have an established audience already. Got it. So the next question, going back to summits, is how do you entice speakers? What, how do you get people interested in you, especially if they've never heard about you before? Mm, that is a perfect question, and this is something I deal with all the time, because one of the biggest things is, I'm a nobody, I'm just starting out. How is so-and-so who's got you know, 20,000 people following them on Facebook or something, why are they going to be interested in my summit? The answer is exposure. You're going to get 20 to 25 or 30 experts in a virtual room, and they're all going to get exposure to each other's lists. So let me explain. Megan's the host, I'm an expert. Okay, and my friend Allison is also an expert. Megan is the host, has interviewed my friend Allison and I, and now we're going to promote, okay? People are going to join on the list. I'm able to, as an expert, get exposure to everybody else's list on this summit by the method of offering a free gift, okay? So I do my interview with Megan, and then Megan says, here's this awesome interview with Jenny Wright, and by the way, you can grab this free gift that she's offering everybody at blah, 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 blah.com. And as a result, everybody else on the summit who's registered gets to see my free gift. Okay, they, they get an opportunity to, to opt in. I've been on summits where I've added two, three, or 400 people to my list from one summit. It's great. Now I've, you know, I, for one hour of my time and a little bit of promotion, I just got 300 people on my list. Yes, please, I'll do that all day long, right? Because those people are more highly connected than if I spent 100 or 200 or even $1,000 on Facebook ads. The other thing, and this is what's great about summits these days, is they're more highly connected. So Megan is the host, will do things like networking panels while the summit is happening or even during its promotional time. We'll do some really cool prizing or offers or different kinds of things to create connection and highlight her experts as the experts that they are through you know different lives facebook lives q a sessions things like that we that can be built into your summit so it really creates a ton of exposure for the expert which supersedes the i'm a nobody nobody knows who i am and allows you to host an event like this and have some really big people on it Will these big people usually say yes, or do they expect payment for their time? I'm There's sure it varies, a, I guess. But, it yeah. vary. I mean, I've been, um, I had, <laughs> way back in the day, there was a really, really big guy uh, in my space that I almost got on my summit. His request was is that I sell 100 books for him. I was like, dude, I can't do that, but have, you know, good luck to you. Um, and he's still big in the space, <laughs> but I couldn't do it. Most, first of all, never pay your expert money ever. These are free events. That's just kind of the way it works. Don't pay your experts. Um, I do find that some of the big people do say yes. It's all about communication, and it's all about the way that you approach them and how much time. If you approach an expert four weeks before your summit's supposed to launch and say, hey, do you want to be in this? People are going to be like, no, I'm, I'm busy. I've got other launches planned, which is why we plan so far out, you know, three, four months out, so that you have the time to connect with these potential experts, right? I have people that I reached out to. My summit is not going to, at the time of this recording, my summit is not going to launch until April. And I reached out to some people in November, because they're busy, and I know they are, and I said, I know I'm running it. I want you on it. I don't have all the details yet, but I want you. And they're like, no problem. So I've like booked, I, I kind of got a little bit of their time, mm -hmm. right? And that's one method of doing it. So there's, there's always a way around it. Um, if you feel like a nobody, if you feel like nobody knows who you are, then 
just get your first expert. I call there's a difference in experts, right? There's the the premier experts, the gurus. Then there's what I call the, the the worker bees, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it's the people who will do the work, promote the thing, show up, eager, happy to be part of it. Those are the people that you go after first, right? To just kind of break the ice in your whole "I need to find experts" thing, because trying to reach after the big gurus, it's going to feel really demoralizing if you don't get any. So get five, you know, get the first five people in your summit. Feel good about what you're doing. Get that, that's almost like proof of concept when they say yes, then you can go after other people. That makes it easier, I think. On the flip side of all of that, what about I want to be a speaker? How do I start getting into summits as a speaker? How do, what have you seen as a successful route for people to take? There's, that's a really good question. And the easiest thing you can do right now is join Facebook groups that are specific to speakers. Okay, you don't have to pay any money to be a speaker. You don't have to join a networking group and pay money. You don't have to do any of that. There's Facebook groups that allow you to do it and say, hey, I'm a brand, you know, hey, I'd be interested in speaking on your event. The best thing you can do is create like basically a little bit of a one sheet. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but just get a just go in Canva and create a little bit of a one sheet. And you know, your name and your picture and a little bit about what you do and the talks that you can do, pick four talks, not ten, four talks, about what it is that you can talk about and be very specific. And have that, and it's not even something that you're necessarily going to post right away, and I, I would suggest that you don't, but you have it ready. And you post in these Facebook groups that I was just talking about and say, hey, I'm looking to be a speaker on events. Now, there's going to be some people who are going to be like, ooh, what's your list size? And if you don't fit their preconceived idea of what the list shot size should be, they're going to say no to you. And that's going to happen, and it's okay. There's other people who don't care about it and are willing to have you as a speaker on their event regardless of your list size because they just want the people to speak about the right thing. If you have a small list and you still want to be a speaker, start growing your list. We talked about that a little bit earlier. And do yourself a favor and get on podcasts. There's a lot of people in the podcasting era, arena that don't care about your list size. They care more about the content you can provide to their audience. And by being on podcasts, you're going to hone your message. You're going to get really good at that, you know, speaking your truth and speaking the thing and talking about it in a very eloquent and more storytelling style of way. And as a result, you're priming yourself for being an expert on a summit. And you're going to be able to say, hey, I'd like to be an expert on your summit. I was recently featured on this and this and this. You know, and it gives you a little bit more gravitas. So mm -hmm. just, just get started. I love that. And I love you got me thinking about, okay, so podcasts, but also what are your thoughts on like having a YouTube channel, running your YouTube channel so that you get the idea of being exposed on camera and like here's a quick clip about me saying blah 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 and does mm -hmm. do you do you see that a lot in the space too i don't but it's nope. a great idea mm. i don't so i find that a lot of the entrepreneurs that i work with are not using youtube as a medium to get exposure really i do it's and it's and it's a medium that they should be using it's a medium that they're leaving behind it's a medium i haven't used at its full extent that i want to for me it's been about timing it's been about it's a whole scheduling. thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, in 2020, <laughs> I birthed with my co-host this, this podcast that we started together, and that felt like a lot. And now, you know, it went from one episode a week now to three episodes a week. Crazy as that sounds. <laughs> but you get used to it. Mm -hmm. and, and now it's like, I'm going to add the YouTube channel, and I will get used to it. But right now, it's like, do I actually want to take that on? So YouTube is a really good idea. I think it feels overwhelming. Mm, that's fair. And I can, especially because you're on Clubhouse, you're on Instagram, you are on a ton of platforms. I can imagine your workload is banana town. Yep, it is. <laughs> uh, but I'm really good at compartmentalizing. Mm -hmm. I was talking about this the other day with uh, my co-host. We were talking about everything that's on our list. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Like, I'm really good at the compartmentalizing because I'll be like from 9 till 10, I'm working on 
a giveaway because I'm planning a giveaway in July. Mm. From this time to this time, I'm working on my summit. From this time to this time, I'm working on, you know, because right now I have a challenge that I'm promoting, a summit that I'm working on, a giveaway, an offer, and I'm already looking at my fall summit. Plus, I have all my clients that I serve wow. and take care of, mm -hmm. right? And it's, I mean, yeah, wow, but at the same time, we all have something like that. Your, your container for being able to handle more increases the more you're doing this in business. Mm -hmm. Jenny from seven years ago would be pooping her pants right now <laughs> and literally would be sobbing in a corner, rocking back and forth, praying somebody would give her a blanket and a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And Jenny now is like, yeah, I got this. It's uncomfortable. And occasionally I want my blanket and a cup of tea. Thank you very much. Saying, can we still get blankets? Or is that an offer? No, no, yeah, offer blanket blankets are good. We've got okay, blankets. Good. We are pro we are pro blanket on we this are, podcast. Yeah, we are pro blanket and we are pro tea mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And but I can handle it more now. Mm. And I think that's the difference. I've learned the techniques. I made a huge mistake, massive mistake in my business. It pretty much broke me. And in that was when I was doing summits early on with that really low price tag, I ended up getting clients and they all wanted summits to launch at the same time. So I had 18 clients at once. And I don't know how I did it, Megan. I was up at six at, you know, working from seven until midnight on 18 different summits. I had a spreadsheet that my my partner made and it was like did you do this 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 and it was literally because it was, it's mindless work at that point because it's just technical stuff but it was taking me you know that amount of time a day it's more than 12 hours right it was like 15 hour days and it killed me and i'll never do it again but it did teach me how to literally handle this much work <laughs> and i've scaled it back and i'm a lot better about it but yeah it's it was crazy time that's amazing. 18. Oh my God. I, you deserve all the blankets, all the blankets in the world for that one. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was, it was insane. I'll never do it again. It didn't, I didn't mean for it to happen, mm -hmm. but I was like, I, I had that mentality that I couldn't turn away work. Mm, yeah. I couldn't turn away work and these people all needed it. And they were like, can you do it? Can you do it? And I was like, yes, I can. Of course I can. I don't need to eat today or shower or sleep. And, but I came from a culture, I used to work in a big box retail store mm -hmm. and the culture there was you do it, right? It was called needs of the business. The needs of the business dictated at some times of the year for this particular um, company that you would work 36 hours straight. <laughs> because you would do these things called inventory, where you would inventory oh, the entire warehouse, right? Mm -hmm. You would inventory the whole place. It would take hours and hours. You'd get a couple hours of sleep and you'd come back and you'd, you know, you'd keep doing it. And it was the needs of the business. When I came into doing my own business, I still had that mentality. Mm -hmm. The needs of the business dictated that I do this and everything else comes second. And I had to change that because honestly, there would not have been, there would not have been a working functioning Jenny anymore. No, I can imagine the crash of that and the, oh my God, I can't, you know, people on this podcast have heard repeatedly about my burnout. And so hearing that and the, that like, it makes my palms sweaty thinking about it. It's just, oh, I'm so glad that you were able to dig yourself out of that. Yeah. And I was able to, I'm grateful that I was, it is in no small part to having a supportive partner mm -hmm. who was like, I, you know, you just can't keep doing this anymore. If you do this, I, you know, I helped pick you up. I helped do all the things cause they had to step in and do everything on the, you know, the lifestyle of the, of the person, you know, the take care of the food and the grocery shopping and all the other stuff it was not tenable. It was not a situation that could have continued and I'll never do it again. The lessons that you have had to learn just sound, 
you're like a little Hallmark Lifetime movie just of your inspiring trajectory up into the stratosphere of <laughs> kick-ass list builders. Thank you. Yeah, it's taken, it's taken some effort, and I, if anybody can learn from my things um, and, and not do the same mistakes, then it's worth talking about, right? Absolutely. Well, we are getting close to time, and I know people are going to have questions about, like, when should I start selling on my list, and when should I start doing this and this? And so I think this is all in your challenge, right? Uh, yep. So the challenge that I'm doing, and at the time of this recording, you know, depending on when this comes out, there still will be availability for that. Uh, but yes, the challenge that I'm doing is going to be covering, it's called the Ideal Prospect Attraction, wait a minute, Ideal Prospect Attraction Strategy Challenge. It's got a good long name. And it's all about uh, attracting your ideal client and how do we actually get in front of them and sell to them. So it's a, there's a list building component in there and there's a sales component. Very cool. How do people get it, sign up for that? JennyWright.com forward slash challenge. If the page says the challenge is closed, there's going to be a beautiful little box on there. You can enter your name and email and the challenge will come up again really soon and I'll notify you as soon as it is. That is beautiful. Well, what else should people know about before we get going? Start now. Start small. Even if it means creating something in Canva and getting it out there. But just start now. Don't wait until everything's completely perfect and is exactly the way you want it. I mean, I ran this business without a website for years. Um, even though I shouldn't have, I should have had a website, but I didn't. And I still managed to grow the business because if I had waited, I would never have gotten it done. Um, that's just the kind of person I am. So get started now. Do something even if it's small. And keep testing out because you know what? Not everything's going to work. I have had many failures before I received any success. And I say that it, I received it because it's, I didn't get success. I received it from people because I finally dialed into exactly what they wanted and they bestowed upon me the fact that they would, you know, they would give me their email address. So I made a lot of mistakes, um, <laughs> some that I wish I hadn't, but some I needed to make. And if you just start now, then you're going to find out real quick what needs to work for you, and you'll start making some progress, which is where we need you to be. That is a perfect ending. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you, Megan. I really appreciate it. Hey guys, one more thing before you go. Could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it. On the next episode. People are not watching TV anymore. They're, I mean, they're watching TV, but they're not, they don't have cable, right? Less and less cable. Like, like the traditional cable subscription is going down. More people are consuming YouTube. More people are consuming, you know, Netflix and Amazon where there are no commercials, you know. So people like brands are looking to creators because they now have the attention. I think it was like in 2020, I think most of the content consumed on YouTube came from, I think 80 to 85% of them came from individual creators, not brands like, you know, IBM or Doritos or, you know, Ford, like none of their channels. It was like individual solo creators. That's where most of the content is coming from. And, um, and people are just, you know, flocking to that because people are like getting really connected to their favorite creators, right? Mm -hmm. um, I had this conversation, Megan, like last couple weeks ago where it's like, well, how about Hollywood and how about movies and stuff?